Welcome back to Peace, Love, and Meat. What's up, guys? We, what's up? We have been off for a couple weeks. We're going to do a little yearly wrap-up, next year look-ahead type of show because that's what time of year it is. And uh, we have a lot of fun stuff that is going to be happening over the course of the next few months in particular. And we kind of wanted to take a lot of the, uh, you know, a good amount of the time today to kind of get everybody amped up and get ourselves amped up about some of the fun projects and stuff that we've got going on. Well, and I think uh, to kind of start out, really 2023 has been a lot of backlogging stuff that's unseen. It's given both of us a chance to kind of one, learn each other, kind of identify from a business standpoint, what we're hoping to achieve from a, from a presentation standpoint, what we're trying to do. And I know that outside looking in, it could probably be very easy to say, well, if it's going to be more of this, then I don't know why I would sign up for an email list. I don't know why I would do that, but I do promise you (laughs) Ross has done, Ross has done a tremendous job on the back end of things, just organizing a website, organizing uh, accounts so that we can really be set up as an operational business moving forward because prior to this, it would have just been kind of like a hodgepodge. It would have been PayPal accounts for payment. It would have been Venmo's and that kind of stuff. And that's just, that's fine. I've done that for years, but it's also been one of the hindrances to myself as a businessman is like, I've never had a formalized uh, business operation because it's always been me with my phone on the fly. So (laughs) Ross has really done a great job and been a huge addition with a lot of that techie stuff that I just don't really have the the know know how or more so the time to to really invest in the know-how so thank you for that but that's also going to be or the desire i mean let's be honest there's the there's everybody has stuff that they want to do and that they don't want to do and that's what makes yeah partnerships work well you know yeah, I mean, but you're like, good at that stuff too and that's that's <laughs> the other thing is it's like you know that's one of your inclinations is that that technical side that kind of um you're you're much more guy in the chair yeah you're much more organized than i am and that helps me out a lot so <laughs> as a person that's looking at this um you know i can see why you might be like well i don't know so to incentivize and to show how serious we are about it. I think the first thing that we'll talk about is we both love archery. Um, Archery has been a huge resurgence in my happiness from the standpoint of just being able to have something to pursue towards greatness. Um, Even if that's shooting in the backyard at targets or 3d targets or whatever. And I really want to pay forward the capability to, to have an archery, uh, you know, kind of, I don't even know an archery experience for someone that maybe not had that yet, but has also had yeah. a desire to. Um, yeah. So what we what we're going to do? I've already got a compound bow, and I'm talking to a couple other guys. I'm pretty sure we have the long bow, like kind of sorted out. Um, yep. And then the other is we're working on a recurve. But what I want to do is in each month in January, February, and March, I want to give away one of those bows. So the easiest bow to adapt to is obviously going to be a compound. Um, we do have a compound bow. I have it in my possession ready to give away in January and we're going to be doing that. Uh, you have to be signed up for the email list. Even if you're a follower of the page, just to, just to get an entry to understand how we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to do the compound January. We're going to do the, probably yep. the long bow in February long bow next. Yep. Just because it's already organized and detailed with the maker. And the, this is going to be a pretty cool situation. So, on the compound side, the one of the guys from the company that sent me the bow, that'll all be detailed later as well. Um, they shoot totally arch, total archery challenges all over the country. Uh, 
And this bow manufacturer is at all, if, if not all, I think most of the events. And what I would like to do is whoever wins this bow, you know, kind of find out where you're located, see an adjacent tack, and then buy yep. you a tack entry as far as a yep. shooting a course. Come out there. You can shoot with me. You can shoot with the guy from the bow company. If Ross makes it out, you can shoot with him. And then on the other or two Or if bows, it's in one of the ones out west, um, then I just want to buy you past the ETAR. You know That's I mean? in like Pennsylvania. It's a traditional recurve the time kind of uh, event. It's the Eastern Traditional Archery recurve or uh, Retreat. And uh, I think just getting two entries to that, if you're into the longbow or the recurve, will totally change your experience as an archer. And so that's what we're going to be doing the first three months of the year, along with some other things throughout. We've got some cool stuff coming with Born Primitive. We've got a couple other partnerships that are that are kind of ironing out right now. So yeah, all of that stuff um, is going to be kicking the year off. But we've also got some other stuff that we're working on. We just had a pretty interesting phone call yesterday with um it's actually a, a father-son combo but the father's um been designing and making supplements and medications for years and years and years and he's on the cutting edge of this and i don't want to say too much about this person yet because we're kind of in the trial stage group of testing these yeah. products yeah we've had him for about a month yeah so a little over a month maybe yeah, yeah give or take and i just got the um I would say like the enhanced version of the the kind of nootropic type supplement yesterday. Yeah. And yep. immediately when we were on the phone, I took it and within, <laughs> you know, within 10 or 15 minutes, I was talking about an effervescent effervescence of um, kind of tickling my brain. And they, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what you feel. And um, I, everything that I've taken so far and listen, I'm not one to push product. I'm not one to peddle supplements. Um, I've used first form for about seven years now. And I talk about them occasionally when I have a protein shake, but I don't beat them down your throat. And I won't do that with this supplement company either. But I do want to tell you that when I find a supplement that not only achieves what it's supposed to, but does so like dose to dose recognition, um, yep. That's that's important to me because there's so much crap in the supplement industry. This particular person that's designed these supplements has worked in and with companies in the supplement industry and rejected the sale or use of his products because they want to limit the amount of product actually being put into the into the bottle. And they're not they're not even really effective doses in many cases that are on the market. So all of his product line is going to be at a considerably effective dose. Um, yeah. a safe dose, but also in very unique delivery formats. That's kind of the interesting factor here is that yeah. a lot of these supplements um, were either, well, I don't want to say too much, but they've just got a unique delivery system um, that's, I think, in the clinical trial stage right now, just being tested even further than the mm -hmm. supplement line that we're using. So very excited about that. Um, and, and, and with that, the ones that we mentioned, like kind of the nootropic, but there's also some peptide stuff involved with that, that we've gotten also. And then, um, some immunity based stuff as well. They've got, I mean, there's, there's several different lines of stuff that as far, and we were talking about this on the call yesterday, as far as you guys that listen to this show and follow the page it's some of the most common questions that we get mm -hmm. because the, the main demographic is, you know, I think it's something according to Instagram, like 89% men yeah. in the, in the 35 to 45 year old age bracket or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. 30 to 45 or something like that. And 
it's always about, you know, I've lost a step or I used to be able to do this. How do we reclaim that and like kind of begin to optimize ourselves again, you know, mentally, physically, and a lot of this stuff, when we're on the call, it's like, we are aligned exactly on how to go about this. And we actually will have some pretty solid recommendations as far as, look, this has been really helpful for, for me in this particular Mm -hmm. instance. If you're looking for something over, you know, in, in another avenue, like here's another product that will probably very highly benefit you, you know? So well, and, it's something that we're really, really pumped about. And just so you can understand that this is not like, I hate having to make an anti-sales sales pitch, you know, like we're not trying to sell you this uh, for any kind of gain. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter if you buy it or not, other than the fact that I think it will help and that will help you. Um, it doesn't necessarily, it's not going to make us rich if you buy it. You know, I think we're going to get some commission, you know, kind of like a partnership deal. But mm-hmm. again, to emphasize how this is being utilized, I mean, uh, he works with every single major sports organization in the country. He works with individual athletes. He works with individual teams. Um, and these product lines are being used. Special forces. But yeah, that he has a special He's forces. With a lot of the- um, Mm-hmm. meeting and they've been doing some really great stuff with the nootropic stuff in the uh, military community. So these are, yeah. these are organizations and individuals uh, that are reaching out at the highest level of performance at the highest level of need. I mean, military combat is about as high a level of focus and, and stress reduction as you can imagine. So these entities are buying in on the effectiveness of these things. And, you know, you don't have to take my and word. And we've both had great right. experiences with them too. It's not like we're just, you know, we're, that's why we're slow to slow play in this because we wanted to give it time for us to be able to have our own, you know, test and trial period with this stuff. Well, too. and furthermore on that, I mean, I'm looking at two new sets of some outdoor gear that I got in over the last couple of days. And I have no, I mean, I know they're going to be good because I know other people that use them, but I'm still not going to talk about them until the, I use them. And that's mm-hmm. why we haven't talked about the supplement line until now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wanted to really see what it was about because so many supplements just flat out suck and these, these don't. So yeah. that's, yeah. Uh, that's just our little caveat to that, but we're going to have some more info coming. We're actually going to have the, the designer, doctor, um, organize, organizer, and maybe even mm-hmm. his son on the podcast at some point to just really break it down at a, at a scientific yep. level, but also, in a way that's easily digestible. That was my favorite part was that he was able to translate very, very high end science to an idiot like me. And, you know, the quote Einstein taking a difficult, if you can't explain something simply, you don't have an understanding of it. I mean, that's, I just butchered the shit out of that quote, but that's truly, he was a perfect example of someone that top to bottom understands it, created it and can communicate it. So Look forward to that. Look forward to the supplement line. Make sure you just check it out, read about it. But other than that, I mean, uh, 2024 is shaping up pretty cool. We got some other things coming out too. So I'll let you take that. <clears throat> yeah. the the And just to the one that I was thinking of when you said the Einstein quote, the, the version of it that I've always liked is the bar napkin mm-hmm. analogy. Like you should be able to take a super complex topic and if you understand it well you can explain it writing on a bar napkin yeah right like you don't need a giant chalkboard or or whatever or you know notebooks upon notebooks if you understand the concept and that's exactly how it was we're just like oh yeah that makes sense yeah for sure. <laughs> you know when he's talking to us so um the other one 
that is, uh, and again, we, we don't have a lot of the particulars nailed down on this yet, but it's one that I think has the potential to be really cool from a, from a content and a kind of a community standpoint surrounding a lot of the stuff is we're looking at doing some form of membership service slash community, um, where we're going to host that. We're not entirely sure if it's Patreon, if it's some other version of that type of thing. But the reason I wanted to do something like that was to give us an opportunity to make more stuff <laughs> like yeah. from a con from a content perspective and, and maybe do some deeper dives or share some more stories or, or whether it's uh, things that supplement the free training program that we put out on Instagram, there'll be opportunities for more content and then to bring people that, are you know really actively engaged in the stuff that we do and bring them even more together and kind of and build a cool community. So that's something that we're looking at in probably first quarter of next year as as well, but it's something that I think has the potential to be really cool. And well, something that you yeah. suggested for me um and I really liked it was you know, and I I still haven't talked to anyone hardly about um the situation with that deer and the way that that kill went down and yeah, it's a pretty awesome, awesome hunt. And not that I'm trying to put that information behind a paywall necessarily, but Ross was like, you know, you're a writer, um, you're a storyteller. Maybe you should write these stories down in long form. And it was a perfect time to suggest that to me because over, we talked about it on the podcast. I've been reading some of these like Teddy Roosevelt's American hunting book. Um, yeah, some of the yeah, great yeah. American hunt stories throughout, you know, I've got two or three different novels that are just collections of, of different hunts. And, you know, these are, you know, 15, 20 page stories, pretty epic hunts, really. I mean, they took place back in the 1800s. But the thing that's most interesting to me is the kill is only a page. You know, it's yeah. all the other stuff. If that. Yeah, if, if that. If that. <laughs> and I mean, that's kind of uh, that's kind of the motivation to put this down in my words, full detail, full length. Um, and, and more so, there's another interesting point to that is that I told a couple people and like everything, you know, the game of telephone started like the story was told and then told and then told. And that was something that I had not really remembered. I'll put that in quotations. I had not remembered that sentiment about something in a long time, because what happens is when you, you know, you're successful at something, first thing you do is you put it on, on the internet and people, you know, they get the 140 caption or the 140 letters of, of yep. a description and that's fine. But man, there's so much more to it. Instagram, unless you've got a full on video and I don't have anyone ever film me when I hunt. Yeah. It's very difficult to translate the reality. And I do love to write. I do love to tell stories. So that's, that's, excuse me, one potential option is stuff like that. Like, you know, some of our training ideas would be long form. Yeah. Even, even if my training was different than the peace, love and meat programming, I have no problem sharing in detail what I did, kind of the ethos of that day, um, yeah. modifications that I made at midpoints, things I was thinking about on sets. So all of these are open potential and would love to hear ideas, would love to hear suggestions on what you guys might be interested in. But nevertheless, um, it's just an outlet because Instagram as a medium really does try to force people into one type of, of marketing. And if you look across the board, you can see it. It's just redundancy after redundancy, the same thing over and over. And to quote Greg Walsh, I think in a, in a very technical world, analog still has a high value. 
And Mm -hmm. the way that I feel about it is it it took me hours and days and weeks and really a couple of years of preparation with that bow to even make that hunt possible and to have it just kind of displayed out to where it's just a photo and a very quick description. That's fine. But if somebody wants to hear it or read it, this is a way that they can do that too. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a cooler option for me to kind of like memorialize something that I felt so strongly. So. And there's a part of it that I think it would feel from a connection standpoint, like it's a way for us to, to connect with the people who, I mean, cause you can look at percentages and we can like actually look at these analytics on Instagram, the percentages of people who actively engage in the page versus the number of people that are just followers of the page. And I know that there's a lot of people that the, you know, a like is considered active engagement, right. right? But they still read and could take away stuff. But the point I'm trying to get at is I, we, I wanted a way for us to more directly connect and communicate with the people that the stuff that we do really helps them mm-hmm. and, and build some more, build some more community and stuff on a place that isn't under our control mm-hmm. or that it, build it on a place that is versus Instagram, yeah. because we, we've all like we have with Greg, right? Like we have friends that have been in the situation where like we could wake up one morning and everything on Instagram has gone forever. Well, that's just like this, and, this morning. I just got a notification yeah. that a post from 2018 thanking Scott Volkortsen and Volkortsen Firearms for just doing an amazing job on this pistol. There was no, I mean, it was literally, I said, this is a range gun, you know, yeah. and this is like yeah. an excellence in design. Scott Volkortsen took a family tradition and elevated the game. Like it, it was that generalized and yep. just a photo of a, of a pistol. And um, I don't understand, but that, that post was removed. I told that my viewership was going to be diminished and a couple other things. Like I have no recourse on it. They've deleted it, but I can't undo the the diminished viewership or whatever. Um, and it's just a, it's just a wake up call that, like you said, we could literally wake up posting the truth, posting a a factual news story and have the entire page removed. Um, just because it doesn't fit what they want. And that's, that's just asinine to me to limit yourself that way and not have backup plans. So, you know, the, the, the point of this is, is not to get rich. The point of this is to deliver more information than your five, 10 or whatever dollar range is worth, Yeah, you know, and yeah. um, that's on us. We have to do that. Or we would expect that you would unfollow or delete your account. Like if we're not holding up our end of the deal, then for sure you won't be back. So understand yeah, that whatever totally. we do, we have a strong mission to surpass whatever the value expectation is, I would say. And we're outlining a lot of this stuff with sort of this vague, vague template um, because we're, we're still building a lot of it out and a lot of this could change and we could, and there's a lot of stuff that we haven't even talked about yet yeah. of as far as ideas. So all this to say like this whole first, you know, almost 20 minutes, like super appreciative yeah. of everything that you guys have supported us with since kind of revamping this thing back earlier this summer. Um, it's been really awesome to get as many positive messages Mm-hmm. as we do on a regular basis. Uh, well, it's, and just it's like very even, encouraging. Well, and even like with the supplement company, um, you know, the, the son actually yeah. has been around Sorenex some, and he's uh, 
you know, he's kind of listened to the podcast, just been a, a listener. And that's what was the catalyst for, Hey, I want you guys to try this. You're very aligned with yeah. what we're trying to do. Your message exactly. is about like, okay, you built the machine, you broke the machine down. Let's build this machine back different, but better. And mm-hmm. it just seemed to fit really, really well. So that's kind of the cool part about this whole deal is that every single partnership I think that we've come across or will will be like enlisting in the future has just been a very, very organic, hey, like what you guys are doing, or we liked what they were already doing and just like, hey, you should check this out. So again, all of this stuff is is really, really different than I've ever done because when I was powerlifting, it was like, you know, you kind of have this cult of uh, personality that people want to attach their brand to and being a broke power lifter, <laughs> I, I affiliated with a lot of companies that I thought believed in me or were holding their word with the company or with their product. And it just wasn't always the case. So once bitten, twice shy, also having yeah. someone to bounce ideas off as far as from a business standpoint, it's like, Hey, what do you think about this? And he's like, eh, doesn't pass the sniff test. It's, it's good to have that. So we're trying to be the buffer for you guys. Um, and only talk about stuff that we think is effective, only talk about training that we think is effective, um, point out things that we've messed up ourselves, you know, just really to be a resource. I don't, I never want to come across as one of these assholes that has it all figured out. You know, I don't want to be somebody that's barking at you, telling you to be a man when, uh, you know, that has a thousand different definitions of what a man can be. You know, I, I yep. used this example a while back. There's a guy that, um, he's a concert pianist. And he makes roughly between $200,000, $300,000 a year. Um, very, very educated. Probably never seen a weight room in his life. Amazing father. Amazing husband. Has built this amazing life. But there's some jabroni piece of shit out there that would look at this guy and be like, well, he doesn't get up at 4.30 and he doesn't lift weights and he doesn't do this, so he ain't a man. Well, by my measure, he's more of a man than I've ever been. You know what I mean? As far as like the things mm-hmm. that he's done, the commitments that he's made and held and done all these things. I don't think that guy has ever even crossed the road without a walk sign. You know, it's like, yeah, so totally there's, there's so many versions of what that is. I never want to be the guy that says, if you're not this, you're not a man or not this. Um, I just want to share what I'm doing. You want to share what you're doing and you want to share what you're seeing from your clients, what you're hearing from your clients and me too. I mean, I, I see a ton of people all the time. I'm around people and I hear people's problems. I hear people's issues because it's like even the people that you think are killing it are struggling. Everybody's got their battles. Everybody's got their stuff. I just want this place to be a resource of positivity from day one. It's always been if you don't have a workout, you don't know what to do. Here's a free workout. If you don't know what to journal Mm -hmm. about, here's a prompt. If you don't know what to eat, here's a great food idea. On and on and on. It's just to remove the hurdles of what people are trying to get to how do you, how do I get better in my life? And then there's, yep. there's always some kind of hurdle there. So yep. that's what this has always been about. Like I've got my own, I've got fucking mountains. I don't even have hurdles that I'm trying to get over, you know? <laughs> right. Um, Same, dude. so it's just always, Same. it's just a process for all of us. And I think that's the, that's the winning thing for me is like, if I get better and you get better and even one person that listens to any of this stuff gets better, it's all worth it. Like that's, that to me is what life's about. Hundred percent. And now that we've spent about twenty five minutes doing the recap and the look ahead, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab the steering wheel and go completely the other direction. Um, literally nothing to do with anything, but it's topical for the week. 
Perfect. So I want to ask you, I want to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to filibuster here for a minute so you can think on this. Mm -hmm. I want you to come up with your top five Christmas movies because this, I have, I've posted this. I usually do like a, like one of those question box things on Instagram. I've done it like for the last like three years Yep. and I can count on one hand out of literally hundreds of responses, almost thousands in the last, last like three years of doing this. I can count on one hand, the amount of people who have said what my favorite is as their favorite also. Okay. And so I want to see if it falls into yours. And, uh, because I was also just watching, we have like basically from Thanksgiving on, we basically watch one like every night, um, around here because, <clears throat> all right. I'm going to say first and foremost, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger jingle all the way. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Are we doing, hold on. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, are we doing, are you going from five to one? Is that what we're doing here? No, jingle all the way is all five. <laughs> all five. <laughs> jingle all the way. Wait, wait, wait. Is he going to do it? No. Come on. <laughs> Oh, I had a I had a sound Bye. queued up and it didn't work. Dang it! Yeah, Jingle all the way is amazing. Yeah, but that's not even on the list. But it's uh, <laughs> it's in the it's an honorable mention. But um, put that cookie down. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna say first and foremost, National National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is my just watched it last night. That's fantastic. That's the top. I've got a, that's the top. We're going one. You're starting. Yeah, at the top. I'm going. I'm going okay. one through five. Because I mean, we're going. It, descending there's no argument there like everybody knows that's the best christmas well i mean i haven't given my list so there's (laughs) going to be an argument there (laughs) (laughs) all right um probably my second favorite and the one i've watched the most is uh is love actually i know that's kind of a Ah. i know that's kind of a surprise to the list but that's probably my second favorite and it comes down to the there's and i'm a very sentimental person and i'm like there's songs that i don't like but because there's a lyric or a lick in a guitar or something or a riff. Yeah. I can totally transform my opinion of a movie based on this. Yeah. And this has always been like a wedge for people. But when the guy comes to the door of his best, you know, it's his best friend's wife. Now they just got married mm-hmm. and he just, he tells her like it is on a poster. He's just, and to me, you know, a lot of people are like, well, he fucked over his best friend. He did this. And it's like, he did, but he didn't walk in the door. He didn't, do anything. It's like he told the fucking truth. Like he said exactly what his heart felt. He said exactly what he wished he could have said. And he walks away and he's like, that's enough. And to me, that's, that's such a missed point is like, sometimes love isn't this beautiful romantic story. It's just the recognition and the admission of it is like such a powerful thing. But the movie's funny. Like there's the scuba roommate and all this stuff. It's just like a Mm -hmm. twisted Funny little. I always get I always get it confused with with the holiday. Oh, the holiday is another one that's a great one too. But yeah, they're, they're the holiday is the one with Jack Black. The one with Jack Black and the old guy okay. that had the meat. Yeah, 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 yeah. The meat cute. You know, he's like yes. Yeah, that's that's my wife's favorite. That's a good ever, one too. Is that one? That's a good yeah. one too. Okay, so we've got one and two. Yep. Keep going. I gotta say, Home Alone. Um, that's Ooh. that's first one, right? Yeah, of course. Um, but really, I think above that, and maybe even truly second, is It's a Wonderful Life. Um, mm. <clears throat> that's my favorite cr- classic Christmas movie. Like, oh, so you you're drawing distinctions? 
between classics and well, they're all classics in their own right, but I mean like that right, original right. generational kind of Christmas yeah. movie. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I've got National Lampoons. I'll put It's a Wonderful Life second. I'll put Home Alone third. Love Actually. This is probably more accurate. Love Actually is probably fourth. Okay. And yeah. then um, I don't know, man, if Die Hard is in there because it's such a good movie. And even though it is a Christmas relevant movie, I don't always lump it into like the, the Christmas side of things because it's so much of an action movie. Um, Lethal Weapon is two technically. Yeah. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Let me think. Elf. Nice. Yeah. Solid choice. Yeah. Solid choice. Cause they're all okay. just like kind of, uh, all of those movies, they're light. 20 years this year since Elf came out, yeah, by the dude. way, that it's been, that it's been close to that hurts. since Will Ferrell, was at his crest. <laughs> Some of his last stuff was so weird and different. Yeah. I watched the one with him and Ryan Reynolds that came out last year. That was like the take on Christmas Carol. Oh yeah. It was actually good. I, I, I was actually pretty good. I didn't see it. It was pretty good. It was basically a Christmas Carol, but told from the point of view of the ghosts. Oh, that's cool. And he was the ghost of Christmas present and all that. So it was, it was pretty good. <coughs> okay. What's your five? I'm gonna I'm gonna go five to in one. countdown order. Right. Yeah. And I'm gonna do this as I'll probably do this as best I can without rearranging them mid list. Sorry, man. I, uh, you know, no, it's fine. Indecisive. It's fine. And I'm I'm a little ticked at my soundboard, honestly, because I had some good like fanfare for when we would say each one, but it's not working for I'm just reason. gonna get that Bob Burgers <clears throat> fart gun. <laughs> that's the only sound. That's the only sound but I don't have. <clears throat> Um, okay five i am going to go with the jim carrey grinch okay just because of the time in my life it came out i was like nine years old when it came out that's where mine it's probably you know like it's probably the one that i've seen the most yeah of of any except for my number one it's probably the one that i've i've watched the the most amount of times um, and it's Jim Carrey. Yeah. I mean, come on. So that's number five. Number four, I'm going to go home alone as well. Okay. Because I don't, I, I'm everybody did ever. If you were a kid when it came out at any age, like you fantasized about doing that exact same thing. Yeah. Oh, everybody <laughs> had a talk boy. I had a talk boy after yeah. home alone too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number three, I'm going to go. Hmm. I, man, number three, I might put, maybe, maybe I put elf there. Elf seems just like an easy answer. Like, I think I could probably come up with a better number three because number two and number one are locked. Yeah. So I feel like I'm just kind of stretching to find a number three. Well, that's the way I was on number five. Like, yeah, (laughs) there's, I mean, everything is, it's like, everything is number five after those top four. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But number two is Christmas vacation. Okay. So that's my, that's number two. Are we going Polar Express for number one? (laughs) Polar Express. No. Although that is, that's a good one. It's a good one. And I, we watched it last year with, with Riggins for the first time. 
And it might've even been a little too much for him at three years old yeah. to watch that. Cause it's a little intense in some parts and I haven't seen it in like 15 years. And yeah. I'm like, this is a little darker in some places than I remember it yeah. being. <laughs> like, it was kind of crazy. Uh, but number one, no, it's, it's no question for me is white Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Bing, Bing Crosby and Danny Kay and Rosemary Clooney. And yeah. that's just best, the best one I've, without it started because my mom used to, it still does actually watches it every single Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she used to do it after we'd go to bed and she was wrapping presents. Like that would be when she would yeah. put it on. And then it just became, we would start staying up later. And so we would always watch it with her and stuff. And then we, yeah, we just watch it literally. Yeah. I, I don't think year. I've ever started that movie on my own, but it's the same oh, kind of thing. It's like, so it was good. always like a mandatory kind of like watch when I was growing up. So um, good. Yeah. And holiday in too. Yeah. Yeah, holiday, and we're talking. If we talk about the classics, because the whole, uh, the whole firecracker dance, yeah, scene with Fred Astaire, like that's one of the best scenes ever. And we watched it with my son last year, and he had the little, uh, um, he would he would pretend that they were the firecrackers, Mm. but he had stuff, and he would literally just like crayons, like broken off crayons. And he would dance and just start throwing them at his feet when he was, when he was dancing. It was hilarious. Did you ever see the behind the scenes of Fred Astaire doing that filming? Uh-uh. Dude, he's one of the most interesting characters to go down the line on is Fred Astaire. I mean, yeah, the the intensity and the way that he moved and danced. Um, my dad's stepdad was like a big, big uh, swing guy, like a dance guy. Um, he's the one I told you that had like just a 10,000 record collection of jazz yep. and stuff. Yep. And um, he was a big Fred Astaire nut. And I think, God, he used to give me these uh, VHS tapes with like PBS shows recorded on them. And that was one of the coolest things ever about being a kid is like those TV shows or whatever he sent me on a VHS tape were like always the coolest shit, always just like super interesting yep. when I'm like nine, 10, 11 years old. So I got a lot of culture from him. Um, he's probably the reason I fell in love with tattoos so early because he had a lot mm. of the Russian uh, prison tattoo posters in his yeah. in his tailoring shop, and uh, he was really into the yakuza, the Japanese mafia. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that influenced me from like a musical, artsy kind of standpoint came from yeah. him and my grandmother because she was an artist herself. She was. You know, she did some watercolor stuff and she did some pencil stuff, but they're doing a, a, I don't know if you ever, I, I always get it wrong. How you say it, if it's biopic or biopic, yeah. I don't know. Uh, they're doing one about Fred Astaire okay, and I believe it's Tom Holland. Who's going to be Fred Astaire in the, in the movie. I wish you meant Tom Hollandsworth or what's his name? The, the, the strong man guy. What's his name out of uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you first said it, that's where my mind yeah. went to <laughs> Haviland, Tom Haviland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some monster. Of a human. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. Could not have been a funnier visual for him to be Fred Astaire dancing. Has that dude ever Fred said a word read. online? Like, I don't think, I don't even think he's ever showed his face. Yeah. It, he's a just, I like that. Like he's just a mutant for the mutant's sake. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's amazing. And he just has like, I think he just has like a regular job. Yeah. Like just works and is just bigger than anyone alive basically. And 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, so Tom Holland is doing it. And I guess there was this whole big deal about them being allowed to do this movie because uh, Fred had written into his will. He wanted no, uh, like no movies, no anything made about his life after he was gone because they wouldn't tell the whole story mm-hmm. and he didn't want anything done that wasn't going to tell the entire story. Cause he didn't think it'd be, he didn't think it'd be possible. Yeah. And then with, with how it always gets with legal disputes with his kids and family and lawyers and all that kind of stuff, they ended up somehow getting a way to do it. Um, but I guess it's the, it had something to do with ginger too, where like they can't tell the story without ginger being in the story. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, I, it, it'll be really interesting to see how they pull it off. But Tom Holland has like uh, a bunch of, I mean, he's Spider-Man obviously. So he's super athletic. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I say that like he's actually Spider-Man, but, <laughs> he's got pretty good but he has like, he has like Broadway training yeah. and like, so he's not, you know, I think it, it might be interesting, but yeah, he's one of my favorites. Uh, Fred Astaire is anyways. Have, from have you ever been to a Broadway show? Era. I did. Uh, we've been to Lion King. That was our, that was a really good three one. times. That was amazing. We did once in New York. I did once in LA and then they came here to Boise uh, like two, maybe three years ago, mm-hmm. three or four years ago, maybe. Cause we have a big, uh, it's not big, but it's, I think they have like, I think they said they used like 50% yeah. of the whole set and everything to adjust for the size <clears throat> of the, right. the place. It's, but it's a Broadway style, um, arena area, like the, you know, the plush red and like the gold. And I mean, it looks very Broadway. It's really cool. So we saw them there and I'm trying to think if we did another one. Um, my wife went to 42nd street. Yeah. Oh, I did. I went to Jersey Boys. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. That one was great. And I, every time I'm there, I do you like, I think that we were talking about Will Ferrell a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. The other guys, I think, might be my favorite Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The scene where he sends him to Jersey Boys and he goes, wasn't great. It was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Pageants, the costumes, the pageantry. Wow, yeah. what a musical. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, I saw Jersey Boys, I saw Swing Boys. Um There you go. Let's see. I've seen Sunset Boulevard. I've seen nice. Phantom of the Opera. Seen it a, nice. I've seen it a few times. Um Beauty and the Beast. The ones I, I saw that. The one I really want to see and it's not even technically considered Broadway, but they're doing them in these Broadway theaters lately and it's no surprise that this is what I would want to go see but they're do- and I think they're doing them with Harry Potter and with Star Wars also mm-hmm. but they're they'll play the movie of one of the Lord of the Rings movies oh, yeah. with a live orchestra yeah yeah and have the orchestra play the music like that and I they're actually doing I think a Harry Potter one here in Boise in the next couple of months but I want to go see one of the Lord of the Rings ones so bad. That would just be the coolest thing. Ever. Well, it's funny that you say that because really probably one of my biggest favorite, I haven't done it in a few years, but one of my favorite Christmas traditions when I was kind of out of college and just really transitioning into adulthood was at like six o'clock in the morning on Christmas Eve, um, put on the Lord of the Rings, the, mm-hmm. the extended versions. Of course, and then, no other way to watch them. And then you watch that one and the next one and the next one. And it's like, yep. okay, Same. it's like 6.30 at night or whatever. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, it was just one of those things. Like, 
it, it just fell off the wayside at some point. But man, I think, yeah, when I got, uh, when I got invited to West side and kind of my world blew apart, a lot of those traditions kind of faded. Um, yeah. Cause it was just, it was just a rough few years for me there where I wasn't around as much. I wasn't involved as heavily with my family stuff as I, as I was previous. So I yeah. think a lot of those traditions are still like their memories, but they, they haven't really been revived. So, sure. but yeah, that was one of the cool ones was the Lord of the Rings stuff, man. I like, love that. They're such good fucking movies and they're amazing. Oh, so I was going to ask, you know? I, oh yeah. The books, of course. I wanted to ask you, I was going to ask you this about them too. Do you think, do you think that from like a scale like Christopher Nolan stuff is really the only thing that's comparable because he uses so few special effects. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But from, I mean, a scale standpoint, considering it a masterpiece of film or whatever, like, I don't know that we'll see something like those three movies again. Well, from because of the time it took to put into making them, mm-hmm. like the scale of them, like there were some special effects, but so much of it wasn't. Yeah. Like it was, uh, but because like there's been movies that have made more and, you know, have real niche, like the superhero movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Marvel stuff, but there's a whole subset of people that like want nothing to do with the Marvel movies Dude, I haven't, from a film, I, from a filmmaking standpoint. I haven't seen you know any what I mean? of them. Like I've seen, to be honest with you, the only ones I've watched are Iron Man one and two. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh. I have nothing wrong with it. I mean, I can understand yeah. why people like, cause I like Superman and Batman and what that kind of stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. But they were always like, I just, I had comic books and I collected some comic books. I just don't think it was ever a transition into like that super fandom that a lot of people sure. have. Cause I yeah. mean, I know people that go see them that like they're in line buying the ticket the day the ticket drops, you know, to get the yeah. movies. And I just think that at this point, I, I'm just at a boycott stance on those movies because it's just a money yeah. grab. Like there's no, the storyline has gotten so distorted and so since, weak. yeah, since the, and I was super into them all the way through the, the end game one from a handful of years ago. Like the original, I take that back. I watched se- Deadpool. Like, I watched Deadpool. Fantastic. I, that's one of the ones I'm actually still looking forward to was when the new one comes out yeah. next year. Um, but after the, after the end game, in 2018 or 2019 or whatever it was when they killed off Tony. And that was like the wrap up of every of the movie since the first one, like it's all been pretty bad since then, because it's just like, we're going to crank out several movies a year and TV shows and nobody can follow anything. And I'm just like, I tried one. I'm like, just, well, that's, I'm over it. Something to, it's kind of a relevant discussion on that is uh, blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. I think three Mm -hmm. major production companies have touched it but they're mm. like, we can't make this movie, you know, like, yeah. and that was part of his deal. Um, I think it was an arduous task to get the road made with, uh, Didn't he, he just passed away. Yeah. Right? This year. Yeah. Well, That's what I yeah. thought. So the road with, um, Vigo Mortensen, mm-hmm. uh, that was one, that's a McCarthy book. And that was a very, very difficult movie to get made just because McCarthy wanted no alienation from the storyline no bastardization of language. And, um, I mean, that's a pretty tall order, you know, when you're talking about McCarthy, like how do you, how do you transcribe in his voice, 
you know, like how do you make these characters come to life in his voice? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think it would be interesting to see that one made, but I think it's only going to be harder to get made. Well, probably not because he's gone. He was probably one of the legal hurdles in a lot of those. <laughs> I was going to say, he was probably the one holding it up a lot of times. Yeah. And it's going to be people trying to take over his stuff. He's like, hey, he's not around. We can do it. But that would be hard because you see that even in modern day stuff. I mean, I've got a friend in the archery business and he started a company and very, very successful product was purchased by an investment group. And, you know, of course, what's the investment group want to do? They want to make maximum money. So they diminished the product quality. They got it into Walmart. You know, the American made aspect of it was sent to Indonesia or China or wherever. And, you know, he backed out of it pretty quickly after that. But that's just what they do, man. People, people would rather watch, read, view bullshit than like have to actually like work their brain to get it, you know, yep. I, I don't know, but that's, that's another podcast at another time and a lot more anger. So <laughs> <laughs> right. I actually just finished up because you were talking about Lord of the Rings. I, I rewatched them. It's just been a couple of weeks now. I start, I went back through and I've, I haven't done the full, like sit down, do it all in a day thing in a long time. It's a brutal one. Uh, it's, but I know, I know guy. I know I have a few guys that I know that have done all six with the three Hobbit oh, movies yeah. too, and done all three. Right, it's like twenty hours and forty something minutes or something like that. Like it's just a, you got to plan for it. You got to prep. You got to train for the day. You got to like <laughs> lay out all the food. Like it just rolls one right into the other. I'm like, I've been watching 10 hours of Netflix a day getting ready for this, you know, <laughs> prepping for it. I'm peaked. I'm in my super compensation train, uh, phase. I have trained my bladder to release on my command. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's something else. This is totally an exodus from that. But um, do you still like to go to sporting events? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, the ones I went to, went to a Boise State football game this year. That was super fun. Um, they won, which makes it better, which was a surprise because they were not that great this year for yeah. a long time. Fired the coach a month ago <laughs> yeah. and then had a bowl game. Like, <laughs> uh, But the my favorite one lately has been we have a, a minor league hockey team oh, here in town. Dude. And they're one of the affiliates for the Dallas Stars. Yeah. And, dude, it's live hockey is one of the best sporting events that there is. It's probably my favorite sport. Um, soccer being another one live that is just yeah, like on TV. Hockey is pretty tough to get into, but it's live. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing, like there are some aspects of sport that you can't diminish. And I don't know. Hockey has always been one that I could, I could love watching live. Um, I grew up, we had the Kentucky Thoroughblades in Lexington. They were an affiliate for an NHL team. And that was so cool because I remember going to the games with my friends. They would come out and they would throw the hockey pucks that they warmed up with over, and I caught one of those. We all had roller blades. We were all playing roller hockey. Like it was that era of like, yep, mid to late nineties when the roller blades were the shit. And uh, oh yeah, dude, I found a. So this was funny. I, I was at the skating rink, the ice rink, and I was going around and UK does not have university of Kentucky does not have an organized hockey team, but they have an intramural team So yeah. and they would play other colleges, you know, as an intramural team or whatever. And I went over there and, you know, I'm in high school and some 20 something year old kid that went to UK was a left-handed forward. 
he came over and he's like, you play? And I was like, no. He said, well, here, man, um, it needs a new head. It cracked the head on it, but you can buy these little um, CCH plastic ones and you just cut the tip off and you can yeah. slide it on. So I had a left-handed stick uh, forever. And that's the way I learned to play roller hockey was with a left-handed stick. I don't know why that even matters, but it was just fun. <laughs> and uh, awesome. I loved that thing, man. I, I loved that stick so much because it was like, I remember looking at one and we were just, we weren't like starving, but we didn't have money for that kind of stuff, you know? And what's a freaking hockey stick cost 70, 80 bucks. But it was, it was, I have no idea. I don't either. Yeah. But I mean, it was like, you know, I had basketball shoes cause I played basketball I had soccer cleats because I played soccer. Like I had the necessities for what I did, but yep. like, hey mom, can I get a hockey stick? Well, why? You know, it's yeah. too much money or whatever. So <laughs> right. when that guy gave it to me, it was like I don't even know who he is, but I would like to thank him because, dude, that was multiple summers of just insane fun that I had with that stupid stick. It's awesome, and there's a couple of because it's not there's no school teams that are a part of the, you know, the state organization of sports in here for hockey in Idaho for hockey, but there's a bunch of club organizations yeah, out yeah. here for the different. That's what years. it was. It wasn't intramural. It was club. That's what they call it. Yeah. yeah. And the, and the, the team that we have here, the minor league team is a part of the league. It's, I think it's the ECHL, which is essentially like double a. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the guys go straight from here to the, like we've had several guys the last couple of years go straight from here to Dallas yeah. and start playing. So it's kind of like one of the direct feeder teams and they went all the way to, uh, I think they actually won the league championship last year. And if live hockey is as amazing, live playoff hockey oh, yeah. is 10 times better. I went to it. Like it's so freaking fun. I was in the, I was in Nashville. Um, with Zach one time and the predators were in the playoffs and ended up kind of just getting shut. Predators games are wild. Yeah, dude, <laughs> they are. And, uh, kind of got shuffled into the arena and I'm sitting not even in a seat, but I'm like right beside the ice kind of just like, I wasn't going to be there very long, mm-hmm. but I could go, dude, that was one of the most electric arenas because the towels were going, the music was going yep. and the game is so friggin' fast paced. I, I I don't know. I, I miss watching hockey because um, I guess it was like NHL 99 or NHL 2000. That was one of the big games that I got into because everybody was playing Madden. Yeah. And just like yeah. I always am, like if somebody's like – if I'm into Madden and then 10 people find out about it, I go on to something else. So like <laughs> the NHL 99 or 2000, whatever it was, um, that was that was my game. And I would play – it might have been 98. Cause I played with the Rangers with Mark Messier and uh, oh, all those guys, you know, uh, so Lindros good. on there was the uh, Philadelphia Flyers was just, he was the, uh, impossible to defend Lemieux and Yager. They were impossible to defend. So, <laughs> it was, dude, I love that game, but that was, I took, that was funny. I took Riggins to a hockey game last year for his first one. And just he and I went and uh, it was actually it was one of the playoff games. It was, yeah, because it was April, late April. Yeah. Have you ever? And go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and we got there, and it, and he wasn't even remotely expecting like what we walked into. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was loud. There's lights. They have all these like in between period games mm-hmm. and stuff. Zamboni. And the, <laughs> the, and the Zamboni. And they have like the one that's really fun is you can, you know, you do five for six buck or, five pucks for six bucks or one for five. Or I don't remember what it is. Maybe yeah. you get a little rubber, Yep. like a little foam puck with a number on it. Mm-hmm. And, 
in between one of the periods, everybody throws theirs onto the ice to try and get it in the center circle, which is just bigger than the puck itself. Oh yeah. Where they do the center drop and whoever does gets like a 50, 50, it's like 50% of the raffle that yeah. paid for all, like the people bought all the pucks with. And so it's always been like, um, I mean, it's a lot of money. It's several hundred dollars at least that like somebody would win. And the only time anybody was remotely close, they literally had to bring somebody out and then they didn't give it to the guy after they measured it. Cause it was right along like the edge, yeah. like his puck was right along the edge of the circle, but it was out yeah. and it had to be completely in. It was, I mean, maybe two millimeters. So they had like the, the camera like pointed right at it, zoomed in yeah. and then on the jumbotron and everybody's booing and they're like, no, give it to him. <laughs> but there's all those kind of thing, fun things that happen during the games. And he freaking loved it. And we're on our way home. He's like, am I old enough to play hockey yet? And I'm like, I don't think so yet, but in a couple of years. <laughs> For sure. Are you going to let him play hockey? I don't know. We'll see because the, the leagues I think don't start until you're seven. So he's still got a few years. Yeah. Um, and they're all the way down, like in Southeast Boise, which is like 45 minutes away yeah. from where we are. So if that's the closest, then probably not, yeah. at least until he's a little bit older and he wants to do it, yeah. you know? Um, but if they can do something where they're, cause they're doing that with hockey and lacrosse around here are like the club organizations are getting a lot bigger. Lacrosse has and gotten so huge. There's, it's it's actually surprisingly big out here. Like I wouldn't have expected it to be as big out here just because climate wise it doesn't really mesh with yeah a lot of where the rest of it is played. East coast, you know, yeah, east coast and then down in the south and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's big out here too. But they're starting to get like the the swath mm. for all these club things is getting bigger in the valley. So by the time he's ready to play, there might be some more teams closer to us out here. But how do you feel about him playing football? Well, he's going to play flag. Mm -hmm. He can start next year playing flag. And honestly, I haven't, I've purposefully not thought about it a lot yet. Yeah. Because I don't know how I'm going to think about it because I started playing, I don't know how old you were with tackle, but we started tackling sixth grade. Yeah. And uh, so I've, I played tackle sixth grade through the time I was 20 years old in college. Um, and I remember, dude, I mean, I've, I don't know if I've even told you the stories, but I have at least four gnarly concussions mm -hmm. that I know of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like ones that I know I had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. I mean, there's all kinds of little ones where you get your bell. You, you wrong. think maybe you just got your bell rung a bit and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, whatever. I'll shake it off kind of a thing. So I don't know, man. Like well, I, I go back and forth on it a lot. I was talking to a buddy of mine. You know him. I won't say his name, but he's an older guy. Mm -hmm. He's like late fifties, early sixties, just as wild as a fucking Indian. And he was a really good football player and a wrestler. Um, and he was like, man, I just don't, he's like, I love football. And I think it does parallel life a lot. He was like, but I just rather my boys focus on wrestling, you know? Yeah. Um, he said, because, yeah, they can get hurt. They can they can beat themselves up. And he said, but, man, football, you can be standing there just watching the ball go down the field and some guy knock your head off, you know. So yeah. it's uh, – my son's no longer playing. That was his choice. He's he's focused on baseball. And, you know, he's a junior. Um, I, I don't want to badmouth his team or his school because it's good kids. And I think the coaches try really hard. It's just there was a lot of – there was a coaching shift – after you know after that year and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff just 
man, kids are so different. Like, um, he was telling me, yeah. he was telling me that they had a optional practice, you know, it was like 20 guys on the baseball team or something and six showed up and our optional practices were not optional ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the job force was not a welcome event. If you played a sport mm-hmm. in my high school, he was like, you, you go work, but don't come to practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't don't <laughs> think like, about my head coach of football always used to say, like, when we had those, uh, like, voluntary workouts mm-hmm. or whatever. He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter to me if you come, but you're not going to play. Right. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so I got to be there. That's yep. what you're saying. But, that's, but you can't do that anymore. I mean, these kids are so fucking yeah. sensitive, and the parents just back them up. Um, yeah. You know, I would just like to – I would like to understand what happened to where it's more it, – it's, it's another podcast. Yeah. It's another podcast because I mean, I would, I would just, I would go down the rabbit hole of societal changes and that is just not yeah. a good place to go down. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and, and to, as far as him playing, I don't know, man, like if he does, I'm probably, I'll, I'll probably wait longer before he starts hitting. Yeah. Like around here, what's, what is one of the nice things is that they take flag all the way through eighth grade in some of these leagues up here. Oh yeah. And so they're not hitting until they're freshmen, which I don't know. I, I mean, there's what I think is the problem too. They say like the way that they're emphasizing tackling, they say in the instructional leagues and stuff is to prevent injuries. And they have like the extra, whatever you call them helmets that make them look like yeah. a dude from space balls and, uh, and all that stuff. But, different kinds of injuries are happening more frequently because of the way that they have to adjust how they're teaching to tackle. Yeah. Like they're doing this, this, this drop hip tackle, which is the one that's breaking everybody's legs and knees and tearing Achilles and stuff like that's, but you've given them no choice because of all the ways you've restricted them to hit. Yeah. You know, like, and that's not even counting all the ways that you're not allowed to touch a quarterback. Right. Like, so you, you have like a, basically a, a 14 inch window yeah. where you're allowed to hit a quarterback. Cause you can't hit them high. You can't hit them low. low and do the drop hip. And it's just, it makes no sense. So you're going to have all these guys that are trying to find other ways to do it that aren't necessarily as safe, but it's like, this is the only option I have. Yeah. So, and it won't, we won't know that it's not safe until it's way bad. Well, you know I, think, what I, mean? I think the turf is a real problem. Um, Turf's brutal. I mean, there's guys in the NFL that are like protesting it. They're like, we have the money to have grass. Like, why are we doing this? Um, Yeah, it's bad. Because the injury rate has exploded. I mean, it's just insane. I think part of it's to do with the human element too, because I mean, these athletes, we have, I don't know how many guys are running like 22 mile an hour on a football field. Yeah. You know, so you're getting, I mean, these are like the equivalent of 60, 70 mile an hour car crashes, some of these collisions. Um, And that doesn't sound possible at 22 miles an hour. But when you look at the kinetic energy of a 250-pound man running maybe 18, 19 miles an hour, hitting a 215-pound yeah. man running 22 miles an hour head-on, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's yeah. the kinetic energy of that impact is pretty – I mean, they did it on that sports science thing. Remember when they would do that on ESPN? Brinkus. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. – He was a winner strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Insane. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Insane, right? Because <laughs> he's like – isn't he involved with Kill Cliff? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, they're, yeah. Go ahead. Shout out to MKC and Killcliffe for being the title sponsors on Winterstrong. By the way, um, yeah, that man. was a big move. But uh, yeah, man, it's I don't know. I wonder. You think football is going to go away? 
I don't think so. I no, it's not that I don't think so. I know it won't because of how much money is involved in the sport from every level. Because there's a lot of interesting conversations happening now about what to do with college football Dude. because of NIL and all this stuff. And did you hear what Chip Kelly's suggestion was the other day? No, I know he's what had he some said? cool. He's had some sound bites on it, but I didn't hear the recent one. So his idea was basically, you know, I'll, I'll paraphrase the concept is to essentially just turn all of college football into minor leagues. Yeah. And and separate football from the other college sports in every university and have college football be its own organization with its own, he said even commissioner. Yeah. Like have like a Roger Goodell figure and he says you basically take your you have 132 teams or something like that that are involved in college football. He's like, you take the power five, you take the group of five and you have one conference of 64. You have another conference of 64. Yeah. And like he had it all lined out and like this Chip Kelly's kind of known for being this visionary dude. Like he essentially changed what offense is in all mm-hmm. of football yeah. back in or when he was at Oregon. But um, it was really interesting because he's like, you can attach these corporate sponsors to these leagues. Now he's like, if we're going to lean into the money, he's like, just do it. Yeah. Like stop pretending that it's only halfway happening. Well, you know, now that we're allowing NIL. And so I think it's like the transfer portal is such a bastardization of what higher education is anyway. I mean, it's like, I think that if you go to a university and and this is just off the cuff, so don't, don't hold me to it, but this is just kind of an off the cuff, kind of an idea that I've been swirling. I think that no matter what, until you were 22, you can only access a portion of the money that you're guaranteed. So you you can't get it until you're out because, man, these kids, think about this. You got an 18-year-old kid that makes 5X what the coach does or or, or 10X what a, an assistant coach does, maybe 20X what an assistant coach There's, does. There, I think the number was like anywhere from 7 to 10 starting quarterbacks in college football are currently making more per year than a handful of NFL quarterbacks right. that are on like the rookie deals. So that's what I'm saying. And then you got that jackass out at USC saying, well, I'm not going to the NFL unless the team gives me part ownership. You know, it's like, yeah. what? Like, where do you, where do you, <laughs> you're 18. And then he loses four games. Yeah. Well, it's year. like, however fuck old you are, it's like, you're, you're getting ready to walk into a man's world in the NFL. Like I saw high school kids walk into the college weight room that were fucking studs in high school and they are piss-ons in college yep yep and i'm talking studs that would come in like state record holders in receiving yards Mm -hmm. state record holders in sacks i mean dudes walking in at 18 years old thinking that that university and that football program was built for them and they come into a different world i mean I, i equated it to somebody walking into prison for the first time like yeah you don't know what you're getting into like dude i had the similar i mean i wasn't that I mean, I wasn't that high level. I was good enough to play, yeah. but when I, I was in Helena, Montana at an NAIA school. Right, right. Like, and I walked in there and there's like, like six year seniors that look like giants and they're married. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what did I just get into? Yeah. We had some of those in high school, man. I'll never forget when I was in middle school, my high school football team, the small school. So I went to a small school. So I was a junior and then I went to a bigger school after that. But you know, this was a public high school with a, you know, 150 kids in the whole high school. And dude, when I was in middle school, we had Scott Kaler, who was our quarterback. He was like six, three redheaded two thirty five. uh, mm-hmm. Damian Adams. He was like six, four, had a full beard. Um, I mean, these are like 17, 18 year old guys. They looked mm-hmm. 
they looked like a blue collar work shift at the local factory. Like I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you, there was something in the water back then. I mean, they were, uh, they were just a, a different breed. Um, we had a kid named Eric hasty. He was a linebacker. He wore in a fullback and he wore the big roll pad on the neck. You know what I mean? And he had like the big mm-hmm. Andy Katz and Moyer style, uh, shoulder pads. He just looked like freaking a giant. He was jacked anyway, but Man, I was terrified of those guys when I was in middle school. Like, I thought that they were mm-hmm. like, I thought they would kill me if I talked to them. Um, but it's just not like that anymore. These kids, they don't, they play more for swagger than they do for the game or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like a crotchety old man, but the game has evolved in a way that I don't like. And I think that something to the effect of the kids don't get all their money till they're 22. I think if they leave the university, they should have to pay a penalty to the university. Like, like a breach of contract kind of deal. Hell yeah, man. Because there's some yeah. kid that did that wanted to go to that university. That's not going to get the chance to go because some stud went there, got all yeah. he could get and then left. I, I just don't, I think that your transfer portal should be open. If your coach leaves, I think that's fair. I think, um, once you've been in a school two years, you can leave. That's it. Yeah. Like that would give you one change per college or per college yep. tenure. Um, yeah. that's fair to me, but these kids, you're going to see Shadur Sanders. I mean, I don't know that he'll leave Colorado, but I mean, where did he play? He played at Jackson state. He played at South Carolina and now he's in Colorado mm-hmm. and there's rumors that he was going to go to Oregon. So, yeah. you know, I don't know, man, like four colleges in four years, then, it, then it's not college anymore. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's just minor league football. It, it which, really is. And that, and that was Chip's basic thing was like, if we're going to do it like this, then just go all in and make it this and stop pretending that. Well, the not. coaches can't, the coaches can't trade that player. Right. So that's the problem yep. is that if the player has a problem with the university or the coach, he can bounce. But if the coach is like, man, you're unruly and you're just a spoiled piece of shit, I can't trade yeah. you. So it's not yeah. really a fair business market from a coaching standpoint. You know what I mean? Well, and he was saying too, from a football perspective, because now that the Pac-12 is no more, Pac-37, or the Pac-2, yeah, well, because it's the Washington I'm talking State about the big and, 37 now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now everybody's over there, but he's saying there's no reason that any of the other athletic de- departments at UCLA, where he is now, need to make that move with football. Right. He's like, our girls' volleyball, our volleyball team does not. They need to be playing Arizona. Yeah, they don't need to be playing Michigan. Right, right. Twice a year, like he's like all. This is all a football thing. This is not anything else other than yeah. what the football teams are doing because of the money they bring in. So he's like, that's why it all needs to be. And I'm like, from a certain standpoint, I mean, I get it. Like people for so long before this NIL stuff, all of it was still happening. Yeah, like p- players were still getting paid. Reggie Bush got his Heisman taken away because he get, was given a house. Yeah. You know, like, you know, all of it was, has been happening forever, but it was all under the table and in the dark and now it's not. And so like, well, that's the thing too, is like, I don't have a problem with the players getting paid. I, I, you know, I've really thought about that from the standpoint of the colleges were making licensing money off these players for years. The players were oftentimes, you know, some of your best players came from the poorest backgrounds and mm -hmm. were poor until the day they signed a contract. So Mm -hmm. I get it. You know, and whatever supplemental money came from a vendor or, I mean, a donor or somebody mm-hmm. like, you know, shaking their hand and give them 500 bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever. I mean, or getting tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I lived in Columbus when that was going on at Ohio State when Terrell, because I worked with uh, um, shit, Jim Trestle. I worked under that staff a yeah. little bit. And dude, I'm 18 years old. 
And I walk into a tattoo shop. I got cash in hand. And he says, hey, man, you sign this football, I'll tattoo you up. I'm not giving him my yep. cash. Like, there's not an 18-year-old yeah. in the world Seriously. that would do that. And that's where it kind of gets a little funky for me, too, is it's like that falls into the same category as pro sports and doping. It's like if I'm a 32-year-old guy going to the doctor and I work at Kinko's, I can get all the hormones I want. But because mm-hmm. I am paid to play a sport and entertain thousands, if not millions of people, I have to do it this way. And it's like mm-hmm. there's all the – I mean, if you – if you try to play facets, if you try to look at all the facets of it, you're just going to spin yourself in a circle. So you have to really look at it from a standpoint of what is good for the university, what is good for these players, not just today, but for the course of their life. Giving an 18-year-old, regardless of talent, $10 million is just a mistake. I mean, it's just a mistake, I think, because it's going to change. And this is coming from coaches that I know personally these kids are uncoachable now because if you tell them what to do, well, you don't, you don't understand me, coach. You don't know me. So, and they've got all these AAU coaches and they've got all these peewee coaches. They got somebody in their life that's trying to profit off their name, giving them that advice. Oh, let's go over here to this university. Let's go over here to this university. Let's do this. Let's do that. It's going to be a, it's going to be a growing problem. I think. You know, mm-hmm. cause there's always going to be somebody from a school that's going to be shopping for new kids. Yeah. You know, dude, Dion, well, <laughs> so this whole th- <laughs> the thing about dude, Dion portal, portal day, portal day a few weeks ago was like a national holiday for him. Well, the thing about <laughs> like, Dion, I, I appreciate the fact that he maximized what he can do within the rules, but he may also be the change that says, Hey, we can't do this anymore. And that's fine too. Yeah. Because I think that's the thing about a guy like Dion. I don't know him personally. I've met him a few times. Um, super nice guy. Super seems as in line with who he is online as he is in person. But the thing I'm saying is I think he will follow the rules once they're set. I think he's following the rules now as they're set. Mm-hmm. But you're always going to have somebody that looks at a situation. And Dion's always been that guy. Like He's always been an innovator from – dude, you know he, had, he changed the Reds uniforms? Did you know that? You heard this story? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So Dion was the first guy. So I'm wearing a vest right now, and Dion was the first guy to have that kind of like off the shoulder cutoff sleeve. Oh yeah, and he yeah, did yeah. that to um, to honor Jackie Robinson because Jackie Robinson either rolled or cut his sleeves, and the the Major League Baseball was fining Dion every single game he did that in honor to Jackie Robinson. So the Reds, because the way the statement is for the MLB is that every player's uniform has to match their teammates. So mm-hmm. the players were like, we're not going out there with sleeves on our shirts anymore. So that was when the Reds cut those sleeves off of their jerseys a few That's years cool. back when Griffey and those guys were playing. Yep. But that was yep. because of Dion. So like, you know, a guy like him, he understood marketing better than anybody in 1989, 1990. Like he sold himself while he was building the reputation of Florida State University. But he's always had the goods to back it up, you know. Yep. So I think 100%. I think he's an interesting character and I don't think he's at fault. Like he's doing the best he can with the rules he's set. You brought up a name that made me think about if you knew this stat. Mm-hmm. Do you know that next year in the MLB the second highest player on the Cincinnati Reds next season is Ken Griffey Jr.? Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> he's getting $3.6 million next year from Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, so funny. 
I think I want to, I think it's 3.6 or something like that. Um, but yeah, there's all those deferred contract deals that like with Otani's deal now making almost a billion dollars and none of it until 2035 or whatever, which is insane. Man. I mean, you're talking about a guy that had an amazing run, but he ended injured. Like you're putting $700 million on somebody that was injured. Yeah. You know, like I just don't, and, and baseball, it's not like they're filling the stands, you know, it's not like the stadiums are sold out. Um, and I think, but with him, it's, it's a bit of the Ichiro factor too, because of the Japan market that like, he'll make more than that from everything in Japan. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why you see, um, guys like the rock and LeBron invest so heavily in Japan or in China. And like fucking John Cena bowing down and apologizing in Chinese. Fuck that guy. Um, but seriously, it's like there's a billion people in that market. It's four times the size of the United States is like market buyers. And they're obsessive about like Nike shoes, jerseys yep. and all that shit. But that's the thing is like, well, that's a whole nother podcast too. Fuck China. Griffey's the fourth <laughs> highest played player on the Reds next season. Oh, okay. Joey Votto is making 25. Moustakas is 22. Will Myers is six. Did they bring Votto Jim back? Griffey is 3.5. I don't know. He's probably getting an extra deal just yeah. like Griffey is where he's yeah. just being paid to not be there. Scherzer is, is in the top three highest paid players of three different teams next year. That's, that's what I don't <laughs> understand. How do these baseball, like looking at it from a, from a balance sheet, right? How do these baseball teams – even continue to offer these players long after they're retired. Like it just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. It's wild. I guess they're doing it though. Cause these valuations of these teams keeps going up. I mean, it's insane. And with all the TV money and every, yeah, it's, it's insane because I'm trying to remember. It was whoever had, cause Bryce's deal was huge. Like when they started doing like the 10 year deals. Yeah. Like that really kind of changed. But man, that's such a hard thing too, because baseball is such a fickle sport. You know, it's like 10 years. That's a career. How, yeah. how old is Otani now? 28. 28. Yeah. 38. Yeah. I mean, that's 700 million you're paying for the next six years. Like you're paying for the next six. But they're not even paying him until after the 10. Like he's only getting 2 million a year until 2035. And then they're giving him six hundred eighty million after that. I didn't know that either. He, they they deferred almost all of it until the ten year mark because he's going to make at least that what they were he was yeah. he's going to make at least sixty seventy million a year in his endorsements and all of his stuff from Japan. Yeah. So now not only did they do that, but now the Dodgers have sixty eight million dollars that they can go spend on somebody else this year wow. or four other players this year because they're not even having to pay him this year Jesus really. Jesus Christ. Like it's like they're they've completely wrecked the model of how to do it. So there's I mean I can't imagine that the owner like every owner isn't just furious about what they were able to do. Oh I'm sure. I mean that yeah that's insane man. I think yeah. it's gonna be like the housing so they, market. They're gonna get into these bubbles where it's like just they're in, they're unable to operate currently because they're promised so far ahead, you know. Well, and there was it was interesting. I was listening to somebody who was a he he was an owner of a team or he ran a team. He wasn't an owner of a team, but uh, he was talking about 
the, the financials of the whole thing saying, because there's a lot of people that are saying, well, what, what's stopping the owners of the Dodgers from paying him $2 million a year for the next 10 years? And then right before they have to pay him the 680, just selling the team. Yeah. So they don't have to pay him. And he said, there's, it's actually, that's actually one of the things that won't work because it's, it's like having a liability against your asset when you go to sell. So say like the team is worth $6 billion yeah. in 10 years and they want to sell. Nobody's going to pay more than 5.2. Yeah. Cause they got to pay because yeah. they've got to pay that. So that comes off. So he's like, if they're fine taking a 600, $700 million cut on what they're going to sell the team for, yeah. then they technically could, but he's like, you're not going to get anybody that's an owner of a team with those egos being like, yeah, I'll take a $700 million hit on what I think this, com- like what this thing is worth yeah. to sell, you know? So it'll, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Cause I think there's a one year overlap between when Shohei's next round of stuff kicks off in 10 years and the end of Bobby Bonilla day. <laughs> so it's like, we move, we move straight from Bobby Bonilla day to Shohei Otani day after 10 years. God, 68 million <laughs> a year. I mean, that they still get to leverage. That doesn't even make sense to me. Oh, are we there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay, I think I had something happen. I thought your battery died, and I was like, uh, I don't know. What I'm plugged do. in. <laughs> I was like, I don't <laughs> even know what to do now. I'm just sitting and talk. <laughs> oh. That seems like a good place to wrap it up, though. We've been just rambling for a while. Yeah, baseball's always going to get that way, so. <laughs> uh all right, well, go sign up for the newsletter. Like I said, we got a lot of stuff coming. Um, there will be some announcements on that front over the next couple of weeks. Um, some merch stuff happening real soon, and uh, that'll do it. Absolutely. Have a great day.